Today is Friday, July 29th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. More bad economic news. We will break that all down and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Let's get through the news of the cray together. And joining me as always to help us get through it, Trey Gorns Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. Happy Friday, guys. What's going on? Living the dream because the weekend is here. <laughs> right? We're staring the weekend right ahead of us. Yes. Hey. If you haven't taken day. the quick start challenge, guys, just so you know, listen to this podcast. We get you through your week faster. It's science. Don't question it. All right. Uh, coming up, guys, you have some good stories here. Governor DeSantis. Interesting. He is going after a bar that's been hosting one of these quote unquote family friendly drag shows and Christian persecution in Pakistan over comics. And on the main thing today, it's official. We have another quarter of negative growth. Ben Wink of Business Insider joins John Stolness to talk all things economy. But our first thing today, the headlines. The GDP fell at 0.9%. That follows a 1.6% decline in the first quarter. President Biden said the U.S. isn't in a recession, though, despite it fitting the definition. And he said it's no surprise the economy is slowing down. Meanwhile, Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin announced they're moving forward with a massive spending bill, $433 billion in new spending. This despite warnings that excessive government spending during the pandemic is what helped get us into this mess of soaring inflation in the first place. Well, go pro trans or else the Biden administration is threatening to block funding to any school that doesn't go along with allowing anyone in any space they identify with. They could lose federal funding if they don't. Some states are pushing back on these new proposed rules. More than 20 attorney generals sued the administration over this policy. Christian singer Amy Grant was injured in a biking accident on Wednesday when she fell. She was taken by ambulance to the Vanderbilt Medical Center and she was treated in the emergency room. And she's in stable condition, but she was admitted as a precaution. These are just some of the headlines happening today. You can check out those and more over at cbnnews.com. Uh, let's like, take a look here at this Governor DeSantis story, Trey, and he's going after a bar that's been hosting one of these family-friendly drag shows. So what's uh, what's going on here? Yeah, so Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, like you said, is going to bat actually against a Miami bar that's hosting a sexually explicit, that's how he described it, uh, drag shows that are geared towards children. Uh, so this week he instructed his state's uh, Department of Business and Professional Regulation to look into the R House venue. Uh, so the government agency filed its complaint officially on Tuesday. Uh, so the concerns about the restaurant actually began swirling after a popular uh, video was posted or a video was posted on the popular account uh, libs of TikTok on social media. It showed a young girl walking hand in hand with a very provocatively dressed, we'll say, uh, drag queen in high heels and uh, barely any clothing on. Uh, so DeSantis responded this week and said, having kids involved in this is wrong. It's a disturbing trend in our society to try to sexualize these young people. That's not the way you look out for children. Uh, so the bar has 21 days to respond to the complaint. Otherwise, it's uh, in in there's a good chance it could lose its liquor license, uh, which would essentially put the bar 
out of business. Uh, so that's kind of where the story stands right now. The bar is responding, saying this is just a misunderstanding. Uh, they said, we are aware of the complaint uh, by the agency and are currently working with the Department of Business and Professional Regulation through our attorney to rectify the situation. So that's kind of where both parties stand at this point. What led uh, DeSantis to go after this bar? I know this has become an issue, as we've seen, as you mentioned, Libs of TikTok has been one of the accounts that's been highlighting this disturbing trend to add kids into this. So uh, yeah. what, what, what was the impetus here for DeSantis? So it all started actually with just this trend that we've seen nationwide. We've covered it at CBN and at FaithWire.com uh, of th- these family-friendly type drag shows. Uh, so DeSantis has been speaking out about this for a while, but he was actually alerted to it by the libs of TikTok video. He saw the clip, he said, and didn't realize uh, until it was kind of you know, told to him that this video actually originated at a bar in Miami. Uh, so he said he felt as a father uh, responsibility to speak out. He said, this is something that I, as a dad, me and my wife, Casey, are very sensitive to. He said, it used to be the kids are off limits. Uh, No one wanted to bring the kids into any of this stuff. And we've got to get back to that, he said. And I can tell you in Florida, we're going to make sure that happens. We've seen this, Billy, um, really trend towards kids, which is is disturbing, really, on on a lot of levels. But Why do you think there's this push for this acceptance of drag queen shows and really kind of highly sexually charged shows and then including kids in it? Well, I think there's the spiritual answer and then there's the answer we see (laughs) happening before us. I think there's a deeper spiritual thing that's going on here. The disconnection from faith is leading people again. We've talked about this almost every episode, the focus on the self, the obsession with the self. Um, But it's actually not only disturbing, it's, it's evil and it does put children in danger to be exposing them to this sort of content and we're seeing more of it and it's not a coincidence that the more we move away from faith culturally the more that these sorts of bizarre things happen things that we couldn't have imagined even five years ago would be happening so really i think the simplest answer is we are detaching more from morality and truth and there's a vacuum there and sadly children as DeSantis was saying they they used to not be sucked up into that vacuum suddenly they are being and that's a line in the sand that a lot of people even non-christians are not going to be willing um, to allow i think yeah no i think that's definitely is the case is i think as, as more people become clued into what's going on i think more and more people are going to be disturbed by it and i think it presents an opportunity for us as christians because it's easy for the secular world to point out and say there's something wrong with this but i don't know exactly what it is as christians we can explain what it is that's exactly wrong with it we know how god designed sexuality and how god designed parents to to shelter and to raise and protect children. So I think this is a perfect opportunity to to find the optimistic stance here for us to respond with some hopefulness. Yeah, and I think, look, it's just a reminder to us Christians, um, to go off of your point here, Trey, that worldviews have consequences. And I think we're seeing a reckoning of these other worldviews outside of Christianity, particularly ones that have no God whatsoever in them, a secular atheist sort of view, you realize there's no accountability. There, Anything goes at some point when you keep trying to find a basis for things. And so I think we're seeing a lot of that start to play out. And that's kind of a frightening proposition. But as you said, Trey, it's a great opportunity to inject the gospel into those situations. All right. Christian persecution in Pakistan over some comics. So our brothers and sisters in Christ over there in Pakistan have incredible challenges that we can't even fathom. Billy, what is uh, what are the details here? So we've got a situation here in Pakistan that some people might not realize is as dire as it is. Um, 
It's the eighth worst place to live, the mm. eighth worst country to live in for Christians around the world. You're basically, if you're a believer there, you are a second-class citizen. Uh, we sat down with Joel Veldkamp. He's the head of international communications at Christian Solidarity International. That's a Christian persecution watchdog. Um, he talked to us about a number of cases, but one that is going on right now, um, it's a man named Sonny and his cousin Noman. They're young men. Um, they've been in jail for three years. They're waiting for justice. So they've been accused of, um, hold your breath on this one, but apparently insulting the prophet Muhammad by reproducing comics of him. Now they have, and this is important, have denied doing this. They said they didn't they didn't make fun of Muhammad. They weren't reproducing these comics. But as Joel said to us when we sat down and talked with him, it shouldn't matter if they did. <laughs> Even yeah. if they did do that, it should be uh, protected. But this is an example of what happens um, in Pakistan to Christians. These two men are believed to be Christians. And so they're facing this uh, discrimination. They're waiting in court. And by the way, blasphemy laws in Pakistan carry the death penalty. So that is why this is so serious. They could actually be put to death over this claim that they reproduce comics mocking Muhammad. There have been other cases like this there. Um, so this is a major, major problem in the country. Um, and a lot of Christians, he said, they really just day to day are afraid. They're afraid to even trust their friends who might be Muslims and non-Christians, their business associates. Are they mm -hmm. going to falsely accuse them? Um, just before we conclude here, there was there was a case about a girl in I think she was about 11 years old in 2012 who had Down syndrome and apparently a cleric in her neighborhood reportedly burned a Quran, put it in her book bag and called the police and said, look what this girl did. Mm. And they had to take her out of jail in a helicopter uh, because it was so dangerous to release her when she was finally released. So it's a major problem. It's It's heartbreaking to hear these stories. Yeah, and my first reaction, of course, is to pray for the Christians that have to deal with this kind of stuff because, it, as I said, it's unfathomable for us here in America to consider that type of a punishment for something like that with comics. That's crazy. But it also, my other reaction is, you know, Brittany, Brittany Griner, the uh, WNBA star who's currently imprisoned over in Russia right now, essentially a political prisoner, and she, she was um, arrested for having you know, this cannabis oil in her bag, and she said she packed it hastily, et cetera, et cetera. But I saw in the news that she said, well, I wasn't read my rights. Like they were trying to, they were trying to, you know, find some sort of argument. And the response to that that I thought is you don't have the same rights and laws in other countries. It speaks to kind of the greatness of the American Constitution and our freedoms here that people are like, hey, wait a minute, you didn't read my rights. Well, you're in Russia. You know, you're, you're in Pakistan. Here now, you don't have freedom of speech, and these, and you don't have the same rights. And so, one, it makes me pray for the people over there, and then two, it makes me grateful for to live in America. You know, I think it's easy to kind of forget the blessings that we have here in the United States because we're used to always having them. Uh, but uh, freedom of speech protections uh, are not something that's universal around the world. And mm -hmm. uh, two, Billy, I think this story kind of highlights. Uh, something that you said, that this is happening uh, in countries all over the world, uh, that this is not a new thing. Uh, this is kind of the M.O. of of so many countries uh, when it comes to Christians, is they'll find some silly trumped-up charge that they can levy against a Christian uh, just enough to make it stick legally, uh, and then they'll pursue
persecute them any way that they can. This is not, you know, about somebody actually breaking any sort of blasphemy laws uh, or somebody doing something that's actually harmful. Uh, we saw that too with countries that were, uh, uh, you know, different tribal communities in some countries uh, were withheld COVID uh, stuff like food and water and all this kind of stuff. And they would come up with some sort of silly reason. Uh, then later down the line, you find out, oh, it was a predominantly Christian community. Uh, so this is something that happens all the time. And it's a good reminder to be in prayer for these communities. Yeah. And in prayer and also action. And we see that with yeah. CSI, the organization we talk with, they're doing amazing things to help these people. Cause that's one of the questions. How do you practically help? They're providing legal aid. They're trying to connect them with attorneys. Remember these people also have no access. Not only is the justice system bad, the cops aren't going to defend them. The judges aren't going to defend them and there's nobody to actually represent them. So they're helping um, people actually connect with attorneys, which is amazing to see. All right. Thanks, guys, for that. We'll continue to pray for the people that are caught up in, in all of those crazy, crazy situations over there in Pakistan and elsewhere. So that leads us to our main thing today, and it is official. We've got another quarter of negative growth. Well, Ben Wink of Business Insider joins John Stolness to talk about all things the economy, what's coming, where we're at, and more on today's main thing. Are we in a recession? That's the question many Americans are asking right now as they deal with record inflation and in the wake of new GDP numbers that showed negative economic growth for the second quarter in a row. But not all the economic indicators are negative. So where are we? Where is the U.S. economy? Joining me to help break down all the latest data and news that came out this past week is Ben Wink, an economy reporter for Insider.com. Well, Ben, the big news of the week was the Fed's decision to hike interest rates again up another three quarters of a point. What does that number mean for the average person listening in terms of borrowing money? Right. So it's, it's a great question because we talk so much about the Fed hiking rates by, by a certain amount and, and where the, the federal funds rate stands. But you know, that doesn't really explain uh, to, to the everyday American what that means for their finances. Um, I guess I'll start with, with addressing that first point. You know, we, we had a three quarter point increase um, and, and that's about three times the size of the Fed's usual rate hike. Right. Usually they go by a quarter point at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had one half point hike earlier this year. And then we've had now two uh, three-quarter point hikes uh, in a row. And really all you need to know about that is, is it's just a more aggressive way to, to raise rates, uh, to tighten financial conditions, and really to fight inflation. Um, the, the, this, this interest rate, this benchmark interest rate, is the Fed's number one tool for, for cooling demand and fighting inflation. And so that bigger than usual, the, the, uh, the three times the normal size uh, rate hike it's really just showing the urgency at which uh, the Fed is, is really um, trying to fight and crush the inflation that we're seeing today. Um, but those higher rates really translate to just more expensive borrowing um, for, for everyday Americans. So that ranges from you know, if you're carrying over a credit card balance, uh, you're not paying off your statement every month, you're going to be paying more in interest uh, on that balance. If you are going to buy a car, uh, you're taking out a loan to make that purchase, your monthly payments are going to be a bit larger. Um, and then you know, when it comes to buying a house and the mortgage that you're going to get for that, we've seen mortgage rates already climb at a pretty fast pace, up more than two percentage points this year already. Uh, and, and this rate hike is just going to raise that even more. So really throughout the economy, you're going to see borrowing costs go up. But I guess the last thing I'll mention is it's not all negative for Americans who have a lot of cash sitting in their savings accounts. Um, they'll make a little bit more on interest there just because uh, the the interest rate is going to be a little bit higher, but 
you know, that's not going to be, it's not going to be some, some massive windfall you're going to see every month, but you mm -hmm. will uh, earn a little bit more on those savings. So when we talk, when the Fed talks about slowing down the economy, the general idea here is just to make it a little bit more expensive and maybe even stop some people from, from spending money as a way to tamp down on, uh, as a way to, I guess, increase demand and, and tamp down on inflation? Yeah. So that's, that, that really boils it down pretty nicely. You know, we have so much of the inflation right now, really the, the core problem is we have too little supply for how much demand we have throughout the economy. And so this is the Fed's way of, like you mentioned, you know, maybe uh, cutting down on some of the purchasing that we've seen over the past year, we've seen uh, consumer spending just really shoot through the roof and stay at levels above the, the pre-pandemic trend. And so the Fed is saying, you know, we, we've got Americans with, with pretty healthy uh, you know, finances and spending is still really strong despite inflation. And so let's try to slow the economy down a bit, cool demand off so that demand can and supply can uh, kind of meet or at least get closer to each other because the imbalance that we've had over the past year is why inflation is so high. One of the other big pieces of news that came out this week, uh, in addition to the Fed announcing its rate, and I want to get to that in just a second, but gross domestic product fell nine-tenths of a percent in the second quarter. Now, that's the second straight decline, and traditionally, that's a pretty strong indicator that we're either in a recession or that a recession is near. First of all, why are our, our officials saying we are not in a recession officially right now? Yeah, it's, it's, a, tough, uh, it's, it's a tough topic because... We usually the rule of thumb is, you know, you have two back to back quarters of negative GDP. And that is that is the, the, the uh, rule of thumb criteria for a recession. But the actual organization that decides whether in a, we're in a recession or not, the uh, National Bureau of Economic Research, they really date when recessions start and when they end. And their definition is, is a bit murkier. They look for a significant decline uh, in economic activity across several indicators, not just GDP. Um, and so while, yes, GDP has fallen now for two quarters, uh, and it's important to note before I go further that the data we got today was the first estimate of GDP. It's subject to change. And so whether it turns positive or not, I, I think it, it would be pretty, uh, it's unlikely for it to, to be revised into a growth from this, this decline that we've seen. Um, but it is a preliminary estimate. But even though we've seen GDP slide now for two quarters, that's not enough necessarily for, for the NBER to come out and say, all right, now we're in a recession, that's it, um, you know, it shows over. Um, they look at many other things. And, and I think what's really crucial to, to note here is there's so many other parts of the economy that are doing really well. Uh, the job market is, is really the highlight. Um, we're still hiring at almost double the pace that we saw before the pandemic hit. Uh, wages are still climbing at a pretty decent pace, and there's still this really intense demand for workers. And so really when we're in a recession and the recessions that we've seen in, in modern history, usually you see mass layoffs, you see wage growth uh, really stagnate or, or uh, just not grow at all. Um, and, and you don't see this demand for workers. But right now, what the job market is telling us is we're nowhere near a recession. Mm -hmm. What GDP is telling us is that we're either in one or getting close. So I would focus on the strong spending that we've seen, the strong job growth that we've seen. I don't think we're in a recession right now, but the data we got this morning definitely suggests that we there is some weakness in the economy. We could be heading toward one pretty soon. You know, I, I think one of the, the, the things that are going to be driving people when they make their decisions at the midterms is 
how much money it's costing them to spend things. Inflation is the, I think, the number one concern for for most Americans at this point. And some of those good jobs numbers that you're talking about kind of get lost in the shuffle. And I know it's a very delicate balancing act for Jerome Powell, the Fed chairman. He talked about this in his news conference earlier this week, that there really is no exact science to what it is that they're doing with with raising interest rates like that. And he he said himself, we don't want to make a mistake. And so I guess my question is, how how much higher do you think they can push interest rates? How, how much did, did you get a sense from what you heard from him earlier this week as to how much further they think they may have to go or how much might be wise without you know pushing things over the edge? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question because we're at this really interesting spot when it comes to rate policy. I'm going to get a little nerdy, but stick with me. Okay. Um, we're at the, the neutral rate, what officials call the neutral rate, which is essentially, you know, interest rates are where they're set right now. They're not stimulating the economy like they were during most of the pandemic, um, but they're also not restricting the economy. It's not, it's, it's sort of in that middle ground and, and a happy medium that the Fed likes to hover around when the economy is you know, growing and stable and we're, we're in a more normal period than we are right now. Um, so now that we're at that neutral rate, right, and, if, and, and we don't have the low rates that were honestly helping drive some of the inflation that we, we've seen over the past year, Chair Powell is kind of, he kind of hinted, yes, uh, you know, on, on during the Wednesday press conference that they could slow down now. They could, you know, if, if we see things like gas prices uh, can continue to fall, if inflation uh, cools off in the, in the next few months, we could see them raise rates at a slower pace because they aren't as urgent and because we're getting into that restrictive territory. Now, to answer your question, um, the estimates that we've seen from both the Fed projections and from what we heard from uh, Powell on Wednesday, we're at the the range the rate is at right now is, is two and a quarter percent to two and a half percent. They're sort of eyeballing three to three and a half percent as, as the upper range by the end of this year. That's kind of what they've estimated. They, they think they'll get to, um, but obviously that's, there's so much uncertainty. We're only just over halfway through uh, 2022 and, and so much could happen with regard to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, looking at uh, supply chain issues that are still uh, pretty rampant. So we're going to have to keep an eye on the data and see what other strains, uh, you know, emerge or maybe are solved in the in the U.S. and global economy. But at the moment, I'd imagine the Fed is is looking to maybe increase rates by another percentage point, um, and then they'll be pretty cautious to go further because if you restrict the economy too much, like you mentioned, you really run the risk of of cooling demand so much that you. Uh, fall into a self-inflicted recession. Ben, last thing for you, we've seen gas prices drop pretty steadily over the last few weeks. They were insanely high. They got up to near $5. I think they might have crossed over $5 a gallon uh, for a national average for a week or two there. But now they're, I think, down just under $4 a gallon as, as we're recording this. So it's a dollar drop probably, I think, in the last three weeks or so. But still, we're significantly higher than we were at this time a year ago. But a lot of those inflation numbers we saw, I imagine, were driven by high gas prices. And with those numbers coming down, are analysts, are economists expecting better inflation numbers moving forward if gas prices stay where they are now? It's a great question um, because that's data that we get every day. Uh, a lot of economic data, it, it's either uh, every month or sometimes every quarter. But like you mentioned, we've seen gas prices fall, I think it was now for 43 days straight. Yeah. Um, which is fantastic, especially like you mentioned, seeing record high after record high 
uh, earlier this summer. So if they stay where they are, I would expect definitely the July inflation report. So we'll get that uh, a little further into August. That should show a pretty solid drop. Um, gas prices have been one of those major drivers of inflation over the past year, especially in, um, in May and June. And so to see them drop so significantly in, in just the past month, um, I would expect to see a pretty uh, appealing or pretty encouraging decline in that inflation report. We might even see overall inflation decline just because of what's happened with gas prices. Now, whether this decline sticks around, that's, that's going to be the really interesting question because so much of why gas prices declined is because there just wasn't the demand. People saw how high prices were, how much, how, how expensive it was to fill their car. So they just didn't go out and drive as much. But now that prices are lower, maybe they go out and keep driving um, and, and they resume some of that travel activity and then prices could go back up. So yeah. it's going to be at least a few more weeks, if not months, to see if this really solidifies. But I guess the last thing I note is, you know, gas prices also go into transportation and shipping um, it's, and, and manufacturing as well. Um, so that you know, it's not only lowering prices when it comes to what people are paying at the pump, but it could filter into many other uh, components of overall inflation and really give us a, a nice uh, and encouraging inflation reading come uh, you know, later in August. But we're just going to have to wait and see because for now, you know, it's a bit too early to tell whether this this recovery sticks around or if we see a bit of a rebound. Well, there may be no subject area harder to pin down than the U.S. economy, especially with so much volatility. So make sure to check out Ben's work over at Insider.com. And of course, we're covering all the latest business info at our website, CBNNews.com. Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. All right, John, thank you so much for that information and breaking that all down. That leaves us with time for one last thing, guys. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to go into a Bible verse here today, guys. This is a little thought I had on Proverbs 17, 28, as we're going through this with our family. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. <laughs> Don't you think society could use a healthy dose of that these days? I'm I mean, in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but seriously, they talk about a countercultural message in the age of social media, where every single app we have on our phone is compelling us to have an opinion about yes. everything. So yes. uh, maybe, maybe consult Proverbs before we tweet next time. Yeah. Well, and That's I think convicting me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's convicting because I know that every time I talk, the more you talk, the more everyone, the more information you give out, and so people realize, oh. That's all they know about that. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, but if you just sit there quietly, you actually look smarter. So, you don't have to insert your foot into your mouth that way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So, a little biblical wisdom there from the Proverbs as we wrap up the week on this Friday. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. And uh, as always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we'll be back here on Monday with more. So everyone have a fantastic weekend. We'll be praying for you. We'll see you back here Monday. God bless.